0: At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. This Christmas season, we invite you to look deeper into the incredible covenants God made with His people in Scripture. Tune into our current series, Gift Wrapped, from longing to lavish, to discover God's unwavering promises to meet the ultimate longings of our heart and ultimately renew our hope with the brilliant truth of the gospel. Father in heaven, we declare today that you deserve it. You deserve every ounce of our praise. You deserve every inch of our lives. Because there was a day when we didn't deserve your love. Yet while we were still sinners, Jesus, you came and you died for us. Because we didn't deserve it, we declare that you deserve all of it, Lord. So I pray right now that our mouths would give you praise. I pray right now that our hands would give you praise. I pray right now that our families would give you praise. That this church would give you praise because you deserve it you and you alone Jesus Christ we say thank you today for bringing us here we praise you today that we can be in your house singing of your praises today what a privilege what an honor it is to praise the name of Jesus so please today as we search your scriptures as we sing praises to the highest name Jesus Christ Holy Spirit of the living God thank you that I don't have to beg you to come Thank you that I don't have to ask you to be here because you're here in the hearts of your people. So I pray right now that you would visit someone today, that someone's eyes would open today, that as we lift up the mighty name of Jesus, that you would draw people to yourself. We love you. You deserve it. We praise you. We bless you. We trust you today, Jesus, we ask in your mighty name. Amen and hallelujah. Let's put our hands together for Jesus. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord, friends. Thank you so much, worship team. How many of you are grateful for our worship team that leads us to the throne of grace? Hallelujah. All right, we're going to see if we can do this in about 20 minutes. How many of you have ever been desperate for God to deliver you? And then he does... When we desperately seek him in prayer, perhaps sometimes it's just measures of our own obedience. That we know we're walking in disobedience and we turn to obedience and God does something miraculous. And this is where it gets difficult. That sometimes even after the deliverance, life seems to get harder. Has anybody ever experienced that? That after you say yes to Jesus, life somehow gets harder? That doesn't make any sense, right? Because when we go to Jesus, he's the king of the universe. He has everything in his hands. It doesn't make sense that when we accept him or when we return to him or when we're obedient to him, that life could get harder. But often the most glorious and momentous events in our lives are met with extreme disorientation. Disorientation asking, who am I? God, what are you doing? Where where are you? Why, Why have you allowed this to happen? What are you doing in it all? These feelings that many of us have felt provide a great glimpse into the life of the Israelites where we're going to meet them today in Exodus chapter 19. So let's go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 19 where the Israelites are about three months away from having been delivered out of Egyptian slavery and asking some of these same questions like, we're following you God, but it it feels pretty hard. It doesn't seem like everything's going the way that we might think it should. So again, they're three months outside of Egyptian slavery right now, remembering the warmth of their abandoned hearths. Egypt on those cold desert nights, remembering the feelings of being hungry, that although they were enslaved, they still had a predictable life. They had food. They had relative comforts, even as, as though they were enslaved. They remembered the walls of the Red Sea as God had parted it so that Moses could lead them through. They probably had dreams that haunted them of the Pharaoh and his army being squashed, the son of a sun god supposedly being squashed by waves. And these walls and these feelings and these dreams are as real as the, the pillar of smoke and column of fire that they follow day and night. And in the shadow of the mountain, the holy mountain, Mount Sinai, I'm sure they're left asking, what are you doing, God? You said we were going to be delivered into a promised land, and I thank you that we're no longer in slavery, but we've been wandering for three months. We made it to this mountain. Now what? As we continue in our Advent series called Gift Wrapped, where we're looking at how humanity has gone from longing to lavished... We're going to ask those same questions, and we're going to see how God answers those questions in Exodus chapter 19. We're going to look at verses 1 through 6 today. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me. Exodus chapter 19, verses 1 through 6. If you don't have your Bible, the word will be on the screen behind me. If you can't see it, you need to get a Bible at the Connect desk. If you don't have a Bible or anything, any of those options don't work for you, come find me after service, and I'll buy you one on Amazon, right? we got to get everyone in here a Bible. Amen? Amen. Because you need to know God's word more than my word. Amen? And how else are you going to know that I'm not lying? you got to read it for yourself. We're going to see... God's deliverance and that there's a purpose in God's deliverance, but ultimately we'll see the communal hope of Christmas in Jesus Christ as we look at God's promises and his covenant to his people. A quick change here on the back of your bulletins, we have uh, the sermon notes. We're going to combine points two and three today. So if you're taking notes, just know that you'll have extra space. We're combining points two and three today. And at the mountain, we're going to see God answer the Israelites' questions. We're going to see him uh, meet them in the middle of their anxiety, in the middle of their wondering, in the middle of why have we been delivered why have we been saved he speaks to his prophet Moses on the mountain and then Moses comes down and gives God's people the word so we're going to read Exodus chapter 19 verses 1 through 5 right now starting in chapter 19 starting in verse 1 says this on the third new moon After the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim and they came into the wilderness of Sinai and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain saying... Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession amongst all people for all the earth is mine. So we're going to look at two points today. The first is that God saves his people to treasure them. God saves his people to treasure them. Now, the Hebrews' arrival here at Mount Sinai was another fulfilled promise that God had made. God promised Moses in Exodus chapter 3. He said, I'll give you a sign, and when you deliver the people, you'll come back to this mountain, and you will serve me on this mountain. So we're seeing that God is delivering on another promise. Moses... And his role as the liberator and the deliverer is now kind of coming full circle in his journey as the leader of these people. Because now God invites him back up to the same mountain where he gave him the command in the first place and says, here's what I want you to say. So now he's not just the liberator, not just the deliverer, now he's the communicator. That Moses is the one whom through God has chosen to speak to his people. God's first message to his people through Moses At Mount Sinai, found in verses 4 and 5 is twofold. Basically, God says this, don't ever forget who I am. And cherish your role as my treasured possession. Don't ever forget who I am. Don't ever forget where you came from. That's why we had a testimony of baptism today. That's why we opened the sermon with understanding where we've come from and that God delivers us. And then the second part of that is to cherish our role as God's treasured possession. God has a message for the Israelites about a new relationship. He is doing something new with them. He founds this relationship on his own identity. And now the Israelites' identity having been been delivered by God. Verse number four, he says, do you, you saw what I did, right? Like everyone was paying attention when I parted a sea and allowed you to get through it and squash the army following you. He's like, you you, you were paying attention, right? You saw how powerful I am. You saw my judgment against those who would oppress you. You saw my judgment against those that would turn their back on me. Their experience, the Israelites experience with God forms the base of their knowledge. And what they've learned is what will happen to people who oppress them and turn their back on God. But that is not everything God's saying right here. Because the second part of verse four is vitally important. He says, How I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. So he says, You saw what I did to the Egyptians. Remember my power. Remember my judgment. Remember who I am. But also remember that I'm your deliverer, that I'm your liberator, that I'm your savior that I'm your protector, that I'm your provider, that when warring bands of Amalekites attacked you in the wilderness, I allowed you to withstand that. When you were hungry, I fed you. When you were thirsty, I gave you drink. God is saying, remember what I've done to protect you, but also remember what I've done to bring you to myself. And not just to bring you to myself, right, to Mount Sinai. He's not just talking about, remember how I brought you to this mountain. Remember, What's happening in live action right now, how I'm inviting you into my family. Remember how I'm making a covenant with you that you will now be my family. We will have an ultimate familial relationship with me as the only true God and you as my chosen people. God saves his people in order to treasure them. And I know that this is a hard thing. I know it's a hard thing for many of us today. Because how many of us feel like treasure today? You may know the right answer, so you, know, you'll, you may try and Jesus juke me real quick. But, but the reality is most of us day in and day out don't feel like treasure. Some of us feel closer to trash. So what we need to focus on is the same thing God is telling the Israelites that I've saved you in order to treasure you. My past provision should influence your future decisions. I have protect you. I'm led you. And a, pr- a possession finds its value in the nature of the one who possesses it. Let me say that again. A possession finds its value in the nature of the one who possesses it. How many of you have family treasures? couple people things that have been passed down generation after generation and they probably don't actually cost much right i I have one that's not a family treasure um but uh for extra credit does anyone know how much one ounce of silver is worth today pure silver you're here in first service you don't get to answer this that's that's cheating at trivia that's like having your cell phone out man you can't do that this extremely valuable one ounce coin of silver is worth 24 dollars So it's not exceptionally financially valuable, yet I carry it with me everywhere I go. Why? Why would I carry this this $24 coin with me? I, I can't pay anybody with it. I can't use it to buy anything. But again, the value of a possession is found in the nature of its possessor. Now this is valuable to me Because this is a coin that every campus pastor At Woodside Bible Church gets when they become a pastor At Woodside Bible Church As a reminder to walk in the great commandment As a reminder to walk in the great commission As a reminder to remember 2 Timothy 2 2, to be faithful And entrust uh, uh, others To faithful men who can teach others Also and also to harness my relationship My upward relationship with God My inward relationship with other believers And my outward relationship with the world So this little $24 coin doesn't mean a whole lot financially but to me it's my whole calling it's a representation of my entire calling it matters a lot to me for us for god's people our purchase price dictates our worth our purchase price dictates our value not how you feel but how jesus who gave his life for you felt about you god saves his people to treasure them, we have to understand that that God does something amazing when he takes something that's otherwise relatively worthless. Now, Israel wasn't even a nation at this time. They were just a bunch of Hebrew slaves, a couple million Hebrew slaves that have been delivered out of Egypt, and now they have no land, they have no wealth, they have no military power. It doesn't sound like a very powerful nation. It doesn't sound like a great possession. But God does something amazing by taking an inconsequential people and a relatively inconsequential inconsequential token, an ounce of silver, and makes it an eternally treasured possession to the possessors. That's what he did with the Hebrews who then turn into Israel, as we'll get there in a minute. And that's what he has done with each and every one of us. that's what he did with sherry's life and why we were able to see that today that a relatively worthless on the outside looking thing god says this is now mine and it is eternally valuable and no one will ever deface its worth or value again so if you're here today friend yeah you can clap for jesus if you're here today and don't know your value you need to take a peek at jesus you need to look at Jesus because he knew your value by giving his life for you. He knew how valuable you were and how valuable you would be for his purposes alone. Remember, God saves his people to treasure them. We're going to get to points two and three because that says there's a little bit more than just being a coin in a pocket, that God wants to do something with us. If you are ever doubting your value, remember that Jesus treasured you enough to die for you. Remember that God treasures you. Remember all the things that God has brought you through to get you to a place of being a treasured possession today. I don't know about you, but when I think about being in Oakland County Jail, I praise God. When I think about that he valued me enough to save me from that so I could be treasured here today, I praise God. When I think about ripping and running trying to figure out somebody who was going to love me and then he delivers me into a spousal relationship with my wife of ten and a half years now, I remember how much he treasured me. When I remember that I was walking around aimlessly trying to figure out what's my purpose, trying to figure out how am I going to get what I want want and God said in fact I'm going to get you and you're going to do what I want and it's going to be the very best thing for you and for me when I look back at my life I remember the treasure that God is doing today and if you if you have your own testimony you're clapping if you don't you might not know Jesus that's just the bottom line if you know everything he's brought you from you can't help but rejoice You can't help but get excited to know that he has saved you in order to treasure you. But again, you're not just a coin in a pocket. There's something else here. As as I said, we're going to combine points two and three. That the second thing God does here is he not only saves his people to treasure them, but he equips his people to minister and knits his people into a holy community. Equipping to minister and knitting into a holy community. Let's look at verse 6 here. And we're going to see this enormous change in these Hebrews' lives. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation these are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So God says this to Moses. He says, these people are going to be a kingdom of priests. And these people are going to be a holy nation. This gathering of slaves is now going to be turned into a kingdom. This gathering of slaves that was actually just a family. Israel was not a nation at the time. Israel was a family. He was the grandson of Abraham, right? And then he had these families. He had these brothers. And, and then it turned into a, a bunch of people that weren't necessarily a nation at that time. God says to Moses, you're going going." to be a kingdom of priests. You're going to be a holy nation. This is an enormous shift in their life. This is the Mosaic covenant. This is what we need to understand where God says, if you obey my voice and my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession amongst all people for all time, for all the earth is mine. This is another fulfillment of a promise. God said to Abram, as we talked about last week, briefly in Genesis chapters 12, 15, and 17, that all peoples will be blessed by you. Everyone will be blessed by you. Abram didn't get to see it all come into fruition. But what we're seeing with the the Mosaic Covenant at Mount Sinai is God saying, I'm going to use you. Abram's descendants, Abraham's descendants, to be the blessing for all other peoples and all of their nations because I'm making you a kingdom of priests that you will be the people who represent me to the people and you will also be the representative of the people to me to bring people to God and I'm going to make you into a holy nation today. I'm going to knit you into a holy community today. And why this is so important for us to try to understand a few thousand years ago what happened on this mountain is that God's promise is still true for us today that he has still called us a kingdom of priests or a royal priesthood. As we just spent 10 weeks in 1 Peter chapters 1 and 2, right? We see the answer. We spent almost all of September, October, and November in 1 Peter chapter 2, where we see Peter quoting when he says, you're a royal priesthood, a chosen race, a holy, na- a holy, a, a holy nation, right? You see all these things that Peter has said, a people treasured by his own possession. Where do you think that shows up in the Old Testament? How many times do you think that language shows up in the Old Testament? Once right here the fulfillment of the Mosaic Covenant we see Peter in his letters in his preaching is telling people that if you have a relationship with Jesus this is true for you today I need you to repeat after me saved from saved Saved for saved Saved from Saved from? saved for God saved the nation of Israel from Egyptian slavery ...for something. He didn't just say, you're going to be a coin in my pocket. He said, I'm going to equip you to minister to the rest of the world, and I'm going to make you a nation so that you can interact with nations on a national level. So they were saved from Egyptian slavery, saved for, to, to, to be God's treasure possession, to be his ministers in the earth, to be a holy community. And it changed them into a new way of living, that his law would define them, his law would make them holy and separate and just and righteous and true by his standards. This was God's covenant with Israel at Sinai. And it's the same thing for us today. Let's, let's try, let's repeat again. Saved from? Saved save for. Save for. If we understand what we've been saved from truly, then it's much easier to walk into what we've been saved for. What we've been saved from is not just a couple bad days at Oakland County Jail. I've been saved from an eternity separated from God in hell where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's what we have to understand today, that it's not just about a good life and a bad life. It's about a life with God or a life without God. God has saved us from hell eternally he saved us from ourselves he saved us from trying to gain value for our own life trying to do things in the world that are ultimately worthless but we think they add worth to us if we could just get a, this man to like me or if we could just get that woman to go on a date with me or if i could just get enough people to like my picture on instagram or if i can get enough retweets then people would like me and i'd be worth something god says no 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 You're saved from all that, and what you're saved for is the good works that I've prepared in advance for you to do. What you're saved for is to be a royal priesthood. What you're saved for is to be a chosen race, is to be a holy nation. The church has, from this moment, from the moment of the Mosaic Covenant, God's people have been called a holy community. The the people that would follow God, obey his voice, keep his covenant, they've been called a holy community. And I don't know about you, but... I have not seen that change anywhere in the Bible. So why today does it not feel like we're in holy community? Why today does it feel like churches are fighting with each other? Why today does it feel like we're trying to figure out who's right about the coronavirus and who's wrong about the coronavirus? Why can't we just be a holy community? Why can't we just be God's royal priesthood? Why can't we just say, here's what the word of truth says, that you have nothing to fear, That God is the one who has possessed you and called you a treasured possession, a treasured people. And not the the way you look, the place you come from, whether you test positive or negative for anything. Doesn't matter. The only positive and negative test is you need to test positive for the blood of Jesus, right? Because if you test positive with that, it's settled. So we got to get out of this mess, church, and we got to understand what was happening. That we have a covenant-making, covenant-keeping with God. And we find the answer again in 1 Peter chapter 1 and 2. Specifically chapter 2 verse 9. Where Peter says, he quotes uh, Exodus 19 verse 6 and says, you're a royal priesthood. You're a chosen nation. You're a holy nation. This is who you are called to be in the world. You're not supposed to go do you and get whatever you want and then twist a little Christianity in it. That's not Christianity. That's not what we're called to do. What we see ultimately, this fulfillment of the Mosaic covenant." Is only through Jesus. Because there's a big problem with the Mosaic Covenant. It didn't work because Israel failed. Israel was not set apart. They did not act like a chosen nation. They did not bring all nations to God. They they, they actually went into exile. They didn't do it the right way. So how then do we see God's plan of redemption for the world accomplished if Israel fails? Jesus is the only answer ever. Ever always. If you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, you will be my treasured possession. And he says the only way you can do that is to give up and surrender your own will and your own rights and give me your life because I can do more with it than you ever could. And give me your life because I will treasure you. I will keep you. I will protect you. I will provide for you. Even though Israel did not obey God's voice and keep his covenant, God still sent a redeemer to take on flesh and dwell among us. God still is making this promise and keeping this promise because he sent Jesus to Obey his voice and perfectly fulfill his covenant that he made with Israel, knowing that they couldn't do it on their own. So he sent Jesus to do it. And if we confess our sins and repent of our sins and confess that he is Lord and Savior, then we get to be part of that. We get that righteousness imputed into our life. So just as Sinai was the fulfillment of God's covenant with Abram, where he said, All people would be blessed, all nations, I'll make a great nation out of you, and all people will be blessed because of you. God is fulfilling that. At Sinai, with the Mosaic Covenant saying, you're going to be my royal priesthood. You're the ones who are going to bring my message of salvation to the rest of the world so everyone could be blessed by you. And in the same way that that covenant was let down by Israel, Christ is the fulfillment of that covenant. So as the worship team comes back out, I want to invite us to our feet. If you're able to stand, I want everyone to stand, please. Let's try this again. Saved from. Saved from. Saved for. Saved for. The big idea for today is that God saves us out of darkness and into his marvelous light were saved out of darkness and into his marvelous light. This is the call of God in Christ, that God saved Israel out of slavery in Egypt so that they could be a treasured possession. He could equip them to minister and he could knit them together into a holy community. God has saved us through Jesus out of slavery to sin. That our minds would be uh, delivered from being turned over to sin and trying to do things selfishly and and, and serving ourselves with everything that we think, say, and do. We've been delivered from that. We've been set free from that. So if we have been saved out of darkness into God's marvelous light, will you respond to the call today? Will you walk towards the light today? Will you be the light today? We're going to sing a song that's a familiar song, and this is going to be the application of our message. The song is called, Jesus, I Come. We know that Jesus is the light of the world. If we've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light, then we need to move towards the light. We need to say, I can't do it on my own. I can't obey your voice. I can't keep your covenant. I can't do it without you, Jesus. So whether this is the first time that you've ever heard a message like this, that you can actually be free from sin, that you can actually be free from living a life that feels like you're in bondage and enslaved or it's the hundredth time maybe you haven't run away from jesus entirely maybe you just turn your face a little bit maybe you just turned your back a little bit we need to sing this song together and tell jesus i'm coming back i'm coming to you i'm coming to you for the first time or i'm coming back to you so as we sing this song called jesus i come I pray that it would be the cry of our hearts. I pray that this would be our action step that we're committing to Jesus, saying, endless glory I will bring to your name. Jesus, I'm coming to you because I cannot do it on on my own. And just as God made Israel into a holy nation, he brings together people from every tongue, tribe, and nation to be a people for his own possession as he calls us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We have this available for us today, friends. I'm going to close us in a word of prayer. And again, if you believe it, that you need to come to Jesus, I expect us to shout it to him. I expect us to sing with everything we have to him. And it's not just about these 90 minutes on a Sunday. This is about our whole life, friends. This is about everything. Obeying his voice and keeping his covenant, we know we can't do it alone and we need Jesus to help us. Father in heaven, in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. We say thank you for the ways that you have called us, for the ways that you've blessed us, for the ways that you've touched us, for the ways that you have moved on our behalf, for the way that you have called us your treasured possession, we say thank you today. And Jesus, we do come to you today. We come back to you if we've wandered from you. Perhaps we've never come to you before because we thought we could do it on our own and maybe we have been let down just enough times to say today's the day, to say right now is the moment that I will come to you, Jesus that I will give up for my own will and I will surrender of my own preferences and I'll give my whole life over to you. I'll give my family to you. I'll give my job to you. I'll give it all to you, Jesus, because I trust you. Jesus is the only fulfillment that we could ever hope for. So Jesus, today I declare for my own life, I'm coming to you even more. I'm coming to you again. I'm taking more steps towards you, Jesus, because I know I can't do it on my own and I don't even want to try to do it on my own. I want you, Jesus, and I need you, Jesus. So I pray as we lift up your mighty name, as we sing praises of the only true king, that we together as a holy community, as a people that have been equipped to minister, and as a people that have been saved in order to be treasured, that we would shout it out to you, Jesus, because you want our praise. You want our worship. You want this to be a pleasing aroma rising up to you, that you would be pleased with this, your people, at Woodside Bible Church in Pontiac, and you would send us out as blessed ambassadors for the kingdom of heaven. We love you. We praise you. We trust you. We bless you, Jesus. We ask in your mighty name. Together we say amen and hallelujah. Give him a shout of praise, church. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org to introduce yourself to us today.